I told Pastor Kyle uh, first service, I said, man, this made me love you a hundred times more than I already do, bro. Oh, man, we're having so much fun this series. It is Friends of Faith series, so I just want to let you know uh, we are on week two. This is week two, and this is second service, so give me grace, because I love being here, but my mouth is already dry, if you don't know what it's on. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so we are week two of our Friends of Faith series, and I have the pleasure of bringing uh, the word this week. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to jump right into it. It's going to be Luke chapter 5, verse 17. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. This is one of my favorite passages of scriptures. It's actually found in three out of the four Gospels. Uh, these Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are called synoptic Gospels because they share some of the same stories. John, I don't know where he was doing. He was probably asleep somewhere, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke, if you read your Bibles, they share some of the same stories. And this story is the story of the paralytic man. So this is Luke chapter 5, verse 17 through 20. And it reads, One day, while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Verse 18 says, Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, someone shout at me, their faith. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. What I'd like to do is just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to every single one of us in this house this morning something specific. I pray that the Holy Spirit would impart in every single one of us something specific that the Lord will want to share with you as we unpack this word. So Father God, thank you so much that we get to come into your house and commune with our brothers and our sisters, Father. Thank you that you woke us up this morning and chose to give us another breath in our lung. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would reign in this house and would touch the hearts that are contrite, break them open so that we can receive the word that you have for us this morning. And we pray this and all God's children say, amen. amen. So yes, I am a student pastor, so I love using parables and stories. Matter of fact, one of my favorite um, things in high school was group projects. Anybody like group projects in here? Uh, first service, they were like, ah, I'm not a big group. I said, well, I know why. There's actually different types of people in a group project. I mean, you have the researcher. You have the one who's on Google making sure they know hey, this, is, this is actually found on Google. You have the planner. You have the one that's making sure everybody's doing what they got to do when they got to do it. And then you have the creative one. 
I was fairly the creative one most of the time because I, I like coming up with new ways to do things and new ideas. That, that was always what I wanted to do in the group project. And then there's the one that we like to call the supervisor. And we know the supervisor just makes sure everybody doing what they got to do but we can, lack of better words, say he ain't doing nothing, right? <laughs> we know the, supervi- the supervisor's just there and make sure they get an A. They get the good grade, right? So the beauty of group projects is it doesn't matter what role you play. The whole group gets a grade. Amen? I want us to think about this today, that your faith can bring someone into the presence of of the Lord. Your work, your time in prayer, your time with the Almighty God, the more you spend, the more you fill yourself up, your faith can bring someone else who's far away from God into the presence of the Almighty Father. Amen? Amen. So now I'm not going to assume we are all on the same page when it comes to understanding what kind of friend revealed to us by scripture. There's actually over six common types. Just ask AI. Wow. Some of y'all know what AI is. And all the ballers in the back talking about Allen Iverson. No, 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 no. Not that AI. This is actually... AI, when we talk about it, artificial intelligence. Believe it or not, that's something that is happening that is actually progressing as the years go by. Your students know about it. They're actually using it in school. And so artificial intelligence, if you have an iPhone, you've probably used it. Siri, Alexa, artificial intelligence is something that's going on. So I decided to give it a try. Went ahead and downloaded ChatGPT, and I asked it, how many friends or types of friends are there. It gave me over six different types. Hear this out. They said casual friends. These are people you will socialize with occasionally, but don't have a deep or long-lasting relationship with. It also gave me close friends. These are people who you have a deep and meaningful relationship with and who you trust and confide in. You likely see them regularly and share interests and experiences with them. It gave me childhood friends. These are people who you have a deep and meaningful relationship with, I'm sorry, uh, that you've known since childhood and who you have a long history with. Even if you don't see them often, you share a a special bond based on your shared history. I got a lot of these childhood friends who are back in Florida talking about, Taj, we love you anyway. No matter how far you go to Ohio, we can FaceTime you. We know we share that special bond because I was with you from childbirth. You have work friends. These are people you have met through work and who you have a professional relationship with. You may not see them on the outside of work, but you enjoy each other's company and support each other professionally. Best friends, these are people who you consider your closest and most trusted friends. You likely share everything with them, and they are always there for you no matter what. It gave me two more. Acquaintances, these are people you know 
but don't necessarily consider as friends. You may see them in passing or at social events, but you don't have a close relationship with them. And then the last one it gave me, which I thought this is so hilarious because every time I see somebody I've been following on social media, I act like I actually know them and they're actually my friend. But it's online friends. These are people you have met through social media or other online platforms. You may never have met them in person, but you share common interests and you communicate regularly. I don't know what kind of friend you think you are to most people, but I want to share with you this morning what kind of friend scripture calls us to be based off of Luke. Turn to your neighbor and say, God calls us to be friends of faith. Now turn to the other neighbor who completely ignored you and said, God has called us to be friends of faith. <laughs> yes. Scripture calls us to be friends who are hungry, helpful, and hopeful. Or hopeful and helpful. If you're taking notes, go ahead and get it out now. You can get your pen out. And the first point I want to share with us today, that friends of faith are hungry. As we read in Luke chapter 5, let's look at verse 19 when it says, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Now I want us to understand this. I don't think they just took off some tiles. They make, Luke makes it sound way too easy. They just peeled back some tiles, laid it aside, and they dropped it. No, I, I actually went and did the research. Back then in Bible times, what they did was they actually made these roofs able to be stood on. These roofs were not just roofs that they put together, pow, 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 pow. Okay, we got a roof, nice little wooden roof. No, a lot of stuff happened on the roof. I mean, Bathsheba, um, <laughs> They dried fruit on the roof. This, this, is, this is what they actually created the roof out of. The Greek word here that Luke used is called keremos. And keremos is where we get the word ceramic. So the logs were used as rafters. They put the logs down first. And the branches as cross support. So you got these logs. And then you have these branches that are cross support. And then they went ahead and topped it with tightly packed clay, keremos, ceramic. So this was a roof that they actually made sturdy. I mean, think about it. This is in Bible times. This was before they had really nice wood ceilings and, 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 and concrete, you know, all AC. Like, they made this a roof packed tightly with clay. Now, I want us to understand this. They were plowing through the roof. This paralyzed man friend was plowing through the roof. Mark actually says it like this. They dug a hole through the roof to get their friend to Jesus. How many of us can honestly say today that we've gone through hell and high water to bring a friend to the feet of Jesus? Let us think about this. Like, I mean, to be hungry, to be friends of faith who are hungry, I mean, they had to climb the roof, or get on the roof first of all, so they were already carrying this man because he's paralyzed. They were already carrying this man from where he was to where Jesus is. Realized they couldn't get in because of the crowd. Oh man, we got to get this guy to Jesus. We, 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 we. Let's get in on the roof. 
Let's lure them in. They were hungry to get their friend to Jesus. Now I want us to understand that the burden of relationship is not the church's. Actually, the Lord tells us in Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. So the Lord understands that your hunger does not mean you need to burden. The Lord understands that as you desire to bring someone who you know, whether it's a friend or whether it's somebody that you've met on the street to Jesus, he says, I will give you rest as you come to me and fill yourself up in the presence of of the Lord, I will give you rest. So don't burden, but understand that that hunger comes from having faith. Now, the second point is friends of faith are helpful. We're looking in the same verse on Luke chapter five, and it says, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. Wow. We sing this song, Make Room, I will make room for you. Wow. We like to make room in our hearts for the Lord to come and do a new thing. But how often do we give up our assigned seatings in here when it, when it comes church time and we know exactly where we sit every Sunday and we bet not find somebody sitting in our seat. I mean, this is a 130-year-old church. I know some of y'all been sitting in the same seat for 130 years. How often do we say, come make room in me, Lord? I got, I got space for you, Lord. But you're so quick to reserve your seat on Sunday, whether it's first service or second service. Let this be a challenge to us. It was so crowded in there. And the crazy thing about it, it was the Pharisees and the Sadducees that were, uh-uh, he ain't welcome here. Your paralyzed friend, you got to find another way. Jesus is teaching and the paralyzed man can't get to him because it's too crowded. It is sometimes a burden for those who are not like us, who do not come in here and see why I can't even find a seat because everybody who are Jesus followers or believers won't give up their seat or won't allow us to the front or we don't belong here. We get dirty looks or stank looks. Can we be less of a Pharisee and more of a friend? Aristotle, the famous Greek philosopher, says it like this when he quotes, friends are an aid to the young to guard them from error, to the elderly to attend to their wants and to supplement their failing power of action. To those in the prime of life, to assist them to noble deeds. My desire for student ministry is that we would have an army of faith-filled believers that would say, hey, I'm going to come alongside some of these students and I'm going to be not a burden. I'm not going to you know, think that I'm way too highly uh, up there, too highly up there where the Lord can only use me in heavenly places, but I'm not, not good enough here for those who really, really need them, for those who are paralyzed. We think paralyzed is a, is a physical state, but I'm going to tell you now that paralyzed doesn't always necessarily mean a physical state. 
There are people now today that cannot get out of bed because they are depressed. There are people now, kids now, students now, that are, that are in a state of mind in which they feel like they do not want to be on this earth. They're paralyzed. They're broken. They feel like, man, I don't have a place here on this earth. There's nobody who wants me. My dad and my mom, they gave up on me a long time ago. Man, if only we would be an army of believers that would say, hey, this is a house. This is a community where we welcome those people, those who are like us, because we all are scandals of grace, into this house and we would make room. Pastor Matt closed out his message last week talking about providential relationships. Like pushing my faith forward with someone to come beside me. It doesn't matter what age you are. And it really doesn't matter how seasoned you are spiritually. There are relationships, providential relationships, that I can even share one in which when I was in high school, I had someone disciple me. That word may sound like a foreign word to some of you. But all that really means is doing life with someone. Man, you got a student or a high school uh, kid who's having a basketball game and mommy and daddy can't show up because they're too busy with work. Man, could you imagine you show up for that student and that smile that he has or she has on her face because she has somebody that has impacted their life because of the grace of God? Man, if only we would have an army of believers, we would see this world changed. And if you don't have that someone to be that for you, go be that for someone else. There's, I mean, Pastor Chad preaches this like it's the back of his hand. There are, there are exponential places where you can serve. Doesn't have to look like technology. Doesn't have to look like the worship team. Doesn't even have to look like greeting. But we have kids right now at this time who needs you. Every single one of you guys. You don't have to be, uh, like I said, seasoned. You don't have to be perfect because God will use you no matter what. Amen? Amen. And the third point is friends of faith are hopeful. Verse 20 says, seeing their faith. Everyone say, their faith. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. Wow. So, hold on. It wasn't like Jesus saw the paralyzed man's faith. It wasn't like Jesus was like, wow, man, thank you so much for trusting your friends to not drop you, but lower you very slowly in front of me. Man, you have so much faith. No, Jesus was astounded by his friend's faith. paralyzed man was just like the supervisor. You ain't did nothing. <laughs> you paralyzed. But seeing their faith, he forgave his sins. Man, that's the good news of God. And check this. He didn't just heal the man. Because reading later on in the, in the verse, Jesus says, how easy would it have been for me to just say, get up, take your mat and walk up out of here. He didn't do that. Jesus was way more concerned about his spiritual health than he was his physical health. 
Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. He didn't say, oh man, I see that you need me more than uh, everybody else in this crowd. So I'm gonna just heal you so you can get up on and I go to the next person. Nah, Jesus looked at this guy and said, I have something way more valuable, way more valuable than just healing for this man. And I think a lot of us have this misconstrued because we pray and we pray, God, heal us. We have a sick friend, God, heal him. Bring him to life, Lord. He don't have much to live. And we think this, this is, this is the heresy. This is what I need you guys to know, that your faith does not determine God's grace. God does not have to do anything for you because you prayed. It is his will that needs to be done. So if you're praying for healing and you haven't gotten it yet, that's not God's fault and it's most definitely not yours. So I need us to understand this, that no matter what, it is his will that will be done. Yes, he is faithful to heal, but he's more concerned about your spiritual health. Does your friend know Jesus? Has his sins or her sins been forgiven? Because just like a vapor, our life on this earth is temporary. And what the Lord wants is for you to be with him in heaven. And not just you, but everyone else that you come in contact with. He says, go forth and make disciples. That's what he called us to do. Hebrews 11 verse 1, which has been like the, the main verse for this series, says faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Man did this paralyzed friend, friends have hope for him to be healed. The faith of the friends produced hope for his healing. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 9, and I want to close on this, on this verse. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. By grace, because of the grace that God has given you, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of your works. Hear me. Not a result of your works. Nothing you can do. So that no one may boast. Your faith is your response to God's grace. And I want us to know this, that we are all scandals of grace. We all don't deserve God's grace. I mean, look at Jesus when he says, if you have not sinned, go ahead and toss the first stone. All of us, it is undeserved. It is unmerited. But God decided to send his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross 
for you and I knowing that we were going to spit on him, knowing that we were going to lead him to the cross, knowing that we were going to turn our backs to him as we do almost every other weekend when we hear the pastor preach and we decide to still live our lives like we do. God doesn't just want to heal you. He wants you to have a right relationship with him so that it doesn't seem or feel like a burden when it comes to bringing others into the house of God or even into the presence of the Lord because it doesn't just happen in this place. I can tell you so many times where my wife and I, we've invited our friends to our house and we just opened the word and the presence of God was right there where we had friends who were ready to give up on their marriage. And we're, we were planning to have dinner, but we ended up being church. Because see, the Lord wants for you to not be alone. That's why we have the church for community. But if we're gonna be a church, we're going to have to be hungry we're going to have to be hungry for those who are outside on the other side of Cleveland to come into this place and receive grace like we all have. We need to be helpful. We need to give up our seats. Yes, I know your name on the bottom of it. <laughs> but there are people who are busting down the walls to want to understand what true love is want to understand what it feels like to be a part of a family that doesn't just look like the back of your hand. To be a part of a culture where, where people actually desire to be in the house of God, actually hunger to be in the house of the Lord. And then lastly, we need to have some hope. We need to have some hope for the students, not only just the students, but for all young people. Just like Aristotle said, we need you. Those who are elderly, those who are a little bit more older, those who are more seasoned, we need you. I've been a part of a church where it's all hip and smoke in the room and you got everybody under 40. But I'm gonna tell you this, we need you, grandparent. And the reason why we do is because we all will learn from you. I'm so thankful for Pastor Jim. Pastor Jim Davis, who served this church for over 30 plus years. And for me as a student pastor, who's only 24, 25, sorry, <laughs> still don't know my age. <laughs> to be married and have two kids. He actually invited us over to his house the other day, um, all, all the leaders, and to just sit on his couch and to see Tammy, his wife, love on our daughters and talk with Nineveh and to see how his house felt peaceful, how he's cultivated a place where the spirit of the Lord dwells. Man, those 30 plus years, 
that he's poured into this church, it's overflowing even today into the next generation. We need you. And so as I conclude, Scripture calls us to be friends who are hungry, helpful, and hopeful. But Jesus desires for you to first have a relationship with him before he expects you to be that friend to somebody. We're about to sing this song called The Stand and I think we all in here can say we need to say yes to the call. Whether you have served, whether you thought about serving, whatever it looks, whether it just looks like you going outside of your comfort zone and bringing along a friend or bringing along someone that you, the Lord has been putting on your heart for the longest of time and you just put it on. No, God, no, 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 not today, God. You ain't ready. She ain't ready. We are not promised tomorrow. Say yes. Say yes to the call and take that stand. Amen? Amen. Thank you guys so much.